Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I am your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I am so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff. Lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. So on today's episode, I am talking to Kathleen, a mom of two children in their 20s. Kathleen and her husband found out when their daughter was a few months old that she had a very rare genetic disorder. While the disorder causes her daughter to have some delays, it doesn't mean she can't do it. From day one, she has been her daughter's advocate and cheerleader, learning when to step in and when to stay out and not intervene. Eh, Is that not a hard thing to navigate? I love this episode because Kathleen talks very honestly about being a mom to a child that struggles to accomplish the things that other kids might soar through. And she really doesn't sugarcoat her experience. I so appreciate how she didn't shy away from the hard. And I'll be honest, while some of it was very hard for me to hear, it allowed me to step into her shoes and see a point of view that I needed to see. Here's our conversation. Tell me about Caroline's challenges. Okay, so Caroline was born with a very rare autosomal recessive genetic disorder called Joubert syndrome, uh-huh. J-O-U-B-E-R-T. Um, at the time, that was 24 years ago, there were two children in Texas that were diagnosed with it. So from the time she was born, I had a son that was a um, two and a half, and he kind of did everything developmentally fast as mm-hmm. far as crawling, walking, all that kind of stuff. So when I had Caroline, the day she was born, I just kind of knew even really before she was born that there was something not quite right. Just my mother's intuition. Like when she was in the womb? Yes. I had. I was driving home from a doctor's visit one day, and I just thought, <clears throat> there's going to be something not quite right. But in the sonograms and stuff, everything everything was normal. Yeah, and I just kind of had that mother's intuition about Mm -hmm. it. I didn't know what it was, and I never told anybody. But I just kind of thought there's going to be. So when she was born, she had polydactyly, which is extra digits, and she had two extra toes. And so she, I had her at Baylor downtown, Uh and the doctor was like, "This is no big deal. We see this all the time." And I was like, "Well, it's kind of weird, but." They were more like little skin tags. Yeah. And one of them, they just clipped off right then. And then the other one, I took her like when she was two weeks old, and they just clipped it off and like put two little stitches right there. It was like not like it was like. Yeah. And more look more like little skin tags. So anyway, but by the time she was about two months old, she would not look at us. Uh So really her only symptom at that point was she would not make eye contact. And so at her two-month visit, we had a really, really, really great pediatrician in Dallas and I said, I think there might be something wrong with her. And really? He, he said, well, I'm not ready to say that yet. And he did an exam, and he said, bring her back at three months. Because usually at that point, they went like at two months and then four months. Mm-hmm. And so at three months, I took her back, and I said, I think there's still something wrong with her. And he examined her, and he looked at me, and he said, I think you might be right. Wow. And he said, I have no idea what it is, but we'll figure it out. Huh. So we went to a pediatric ophthalmologist. Okay. And he said, 
He wasn't sure what it was. Might be something with her cerebellum. And then we went to see a diagnostic pediatrician in Dallas. At that time, there was two diagnostic pediatricians. And our main pediatrician got us an appointment very quickly. She had like a six-month wait. And he got us right in. And she nailed it at our initial right visit. Right off the bat. Wow. <clears throat> she said, this is what it is, I'm pretty sure. And we went for an MRI, and they called and told us what it was. How did she know it so fast? She had seen another case, but the little boy was very severe. And so I don't even remember where the case was or how that came about or whatever. But um, So she nailed it, and we went to her just one time. Yeah. And then she called and gave us the results. And so... That was before the internet. So I went down with a friend on a Sunday afternoon to the library at UT Southwestern and went through Microfish and found articles about it. And then talking with the developmental pediatrician, she said, really, the only thing you can do is therapy. Okay. So like, called the next, my pediatrician, I was like, who do I need to use for therapy? Like, called the next day. I was like, we got to get busy. Because <laughs> now she's about four months old. Yeah. So got her with a physical therapist, and she started physical therapy three days a week. Wow. To work on? To work on her motor skills. Okay. So, because really with the vision, there wasn't much you could do. And she has what's called ocular motor apraxia. Okay. And so at the time, she would just look off to the side. She couldn't, her her eyes couldn't go midline. Yeah. And so as she grew, those got stronger. Now she does. But she still occasionally, when she's very tired, will shake her head to get her eyes where she needs them to go. Wow. But she really only does that now when she's, like, really, really super tired. Yes. So I just got busy. We just got busy going is to it, therapy. Is that always, would you describe yourself as someone who's typically proactive and a go-getter? Yes, and I just, I think a lot of it I've kind of attributed to the way I handled it. Growing up, we had a family across the street, mm-hmm. and they had a little boy, and I never knew what was really wrong with him. His name was Bradley, and I'd go over to their house to play, mm-hmm. and he laid on a blanket in front of the TV. And he was very pale, and he had braces on his legs. <laughs> his mother would say, he can't go outside because he's allergic to the sun. Okay. And I guess that must have, as a little kid, really resonated with me. And I kept thinking about that. Like, she's not going to lay on a pallet in front of the TV. Yeah. So, I mean, I literally was like, let's get busy. No. When you were, like, in elementary school? Yes. And so I always have thought about that over the years. I mean, I think God just kind of lined that up so that I witnessed that. And so I literally, I never cried about it. I never really got upset about it. I was like, we got work to do. We're going to get busy. We're going to get busy. And so that's kind of that's kind of what I did was, uh, I mean, Caroline and I got busy. <laughs> I so, just love it. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll jump back to what you got busy with. Okay. But I want to hear, because you're married. Yes. You're yes. happily married. Yes. yes. And when we were, in our, when we were setting right, this up. Right. Kimberly was like, I mean, her husband would be great, but really Kathy can tell the story better. So tell me about what that the partnership has looked like with your husband. Well, back then, Stace has always been in sales, and okay. he worked for a company, an international company, and he traveled a lot for yes. business. Uh-huh. And he would go to Japan, and he traveled, like, internationally. Yeah. So he was gone a lot. 
and my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh, my gosh. And so I was by myself a lot. And yeah. I did not work outside the home at the time. So it was kind of my job to yeah. do the kids. And Stace brought home the money. Yes. And, of course, he is a fabulous father and always does, you know, 100 things. But, I mean, he couldn't take her to the therapies and right. stuff like I needed to. You kind of owned that part. I did. I was kind of the one in charge of all that. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about what it is that you got busy doing. Like, how okay. <laughs> how have you been her advocate okay. through different things? Well, over the years? so I got the the name. I have a couple cool stories along yeah. the, through oh, the years. She's twenty four. I love so a cool through story. The, through the years, there's definitely some big God moments yes. in my life. Yes. So <clears throat> I started taking her to therapy, and I had my two and a half year old, and he did yeah. go to Mother's Day out, but I would have to take him with me a lot. And so my pediatrician highly recommended this therapist, and I took her, and she was great, but she would not move beyond the crawl position. And she had Caroline, she was like, she has to crawl, she has to crawl, she has to crawl. It had been months. <sighs> Meanwhile, I've got my two-and-a-half-year-old in the lobby, and back then, I don't know nowadays, the physical therapist's office was like a big gym mm-hmm. full of toys. Mm-hmm. So, of course, my two-and-a-half-year-old, Wants to go back there and play. And, yeah. of course, she's like, he can't come back here because I have to sterilize the toys. And <laughs> So it was very stressful yes. being with him in a little waiting room. Yes. And an he's hour. wanting to play. He's wanting to play yes. and trying to do what was best for Caroline. So I was real frustrated with the therapist and with the situation we were in. So I got invited to a Tupperware party <laughs> at a college <laughs> friend's house who... We were, had been in college together, and they had lived in Mesquite, and they had moved to Richardson. Yes. And so, I mean, it was like, you know, 730 on a weeknight, and I'm like, I don't want to go to this. And my husband's like, you should go. Get out of the house. So I went, and there was probably 25, 30 people there. And so I sat down, and I hear the Tupperware spill, and I start, I'm about to leave, and I start talking to this lady that's her next-door neighbor, and I don't know how I brought up Caroline, and she said, well, I'm a physical therapist for pediatrics. And she worked at Easter Seals in Dallas, actually in Plano. And she said, I would love to work with Caroline. And I was, because I was kind of telling her the challenges with um, Mitch. Right. And she said, "Uh, he's the best tool I could have. Oh. Because she's going to want to do what her big brother's doing. Yes. So she's like, I will use him in my therapy and he can play with us. And so we ended up leaving the place we were at, and we went to Easter Seals. And she was really the first person that God put in her life that was, like, the most amazing person. person. She was incredible. She was the hardest-working person, and she had three daughters. And she told me one day, she goes, I really want to quit staying with my girls. But she said, I'm not leaving here until Caroline can walk out the door holding my hands. And so she went there for three years, and it was amazing. She was amazing. She was unbelievable. And Caroline walked. And Caroline, she walked when she was 33 months old. But she was just, she, that lady worked so hard. (laughs) So, you know, thinking about having Mitch and, was there any sort of like guilt or concern that Mitch was not getting Oh, absolutely. Through her whole life. Yes. Yes. How do you navigate that? Well, that that really came into play later on with the diabetes okay. diagnosis. Okay. So that was kind of a new I got some really good advice throughout that whole situation. Yeah. yeah. But when she was little like that, he went to school mm-hmm. and then, you know, I would try to do all her stuff when he was at school. 
Okay. And then back then, the rest of her day looked pretty typical. Mm -hmm. She started going to the Shelton School when she was four. Okay. So she started, you know, in a regular school program. And by then, she was getting the therapies that she needed at school. Yeah. So there was a period of time when it was just pretty normal. Yes. You know, she would do speech and language therapy, but she would do that at school. Yeah. Because once she started walking, instead of going to therapy, she started going to dance. My mother had actually owned a dance school for 34 years. Uh And when she was diagnosed, I thought she's never going to be able to take dance. She's never going to be able to do all this stuff. And sure enough, you know, she She started going to dance. And that was kind of like her therapy. So once she started walking, you were like, well, she can walk. She can dance. Yes. Because I remember thinking, I don't know if she could go. I don't know if she can do it. And I thought, well, I'm going to try. I mean, it's $50 a month instead of, you know, $500 a month for therapy. And so that was kind of like her therapy. Did she do great in dance? Was it fine? She did. She was amazing. She really, she learned how to compensate and she figured out how to do it. I mean, she always, it was funny. She was always just a tiny, tiny bit behind Uh on some things or a tiny bit ahead. But it was like she figured out how to do it, how to compensate. So, yeah, she did dance until she graduated from high school. She loves it. Oh. She was still a dance if she could would, find a studio. Well, would there was there would there be a concern for you to send her into a dance class? Like, was there an, ever a concern or no? Well, or did, I, she's just going to do it. I visited with the teachers okay. and the owners ahead of time. Okay, out of respect for them, just out of, from coming from the yes. business with my mother. Because I'll never forget, my mom had a student one time, and after she had quit taking dance. She found out the little girl had some learning issues, and my mom was like, "I wish they would have told me that." I know, I know. because I could have helped her. But so I always was very honest and open. Right. With um, okay. What other What other cool God stories do you have about? So that was really meeting Andrea. Her therapist was yes. like a total God thing. Yes. And so then, um, the second. God's story was when she ended up leaving Shelton. I was ready before my husband. Okay. And so that was really one of the only times we disagreed about something. Mm-hmm. They had kind of pigeonholed her in a category over there. And by about fourth grade, I thought, this isn't working. They're not pushing her to what she can accomplish. How could you tell that? I could ju- just by what they were doing and the teachers that were in the classroom. And they had put the same 12 kids in the same classroom since first grade. Uh-huh. And there were seven boys and three girls. Mm-hmm. And the girls were like sisters. They fought all the time. The boys fought. all. They had been together for too long. And so they had hired a teacher, and she had gotten a treasure box. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they're in fifth grade. They don't need a treasure box <laughs> with toys for Fridays. I mean, it was just... Yeah. So it was just becoming very clear to me that this was not the right place. Okay. And they sent home most of their work for us to do at night. And so it really got to be um, where we were doing most of the teaching at home. I mean, spending two or three hours a night wow. on work. Wow. And so it got to be where it was just like, this isn't working. But my husband was afraid to leave because she'd been there since she was four. And right. so we gave it one more year sixth grade and then he saw that it was time to leave mm-hmm. and so that's when we went to love you just had to be patient for him to get there i did yeah. i was like we'll do it one more year yeah and so we decided to move up to lovejoy yeah and so i met with the lead special education teacher um because she would have been going into seventh grade and she was the second person god put in our life and Aww. she was amazing she was like we don't really have a program for caroline because she's not really special ed but she's not gen ed because she's hard. kind of in that yes. line right in the middle and yeah. she's like let's just figure it out we'll do whatever we need to do 
So she kind of created her own little program for her. And she was just amazing. So she went in seventh grade, eighth grade, had a great experience. Everybody was just unbelievably kind. She had one teacher one time that was unkind. And she said, I don't think she needs to be in this class. She can't do it. And then her previous, it was a science class in eighth grade. Her previous science grade teacher in seventh grade was like, she absolutely can do it. You're not teaching her the right way. And this is what you need to do. And that was really her whole career at Lovejoy, the only time that we had an issue with a teacher. Wow. So then when she was leaving to go to high school, this lead special education teacher got transferred to the high school. So then she was with her her entire high school career. And she told me, I mean, she was a tiny little thing, and she got the job done. She was probably another, she was another one of those hardest working people I've ever met in my entire life. Amazing. I mean, amazing at what she did. And she told me one time, she said, Caroline is the reason I got into special ed. She said, it's not for the children that are severely disabled. She said, it's for the kids like Caroline that don't really fit in in either spot. And so then they slip through the cracks. They do. Yeah. And so she just advocated for her. And she was the perfect person. She was. Them. And she just, you know, she, we just kind of figured out her yeah. curriculum. So how do you handle, I mean, it sounds like the teacher kind of, the other, the seventh grade teacher right. kind of ad- yes. stepped in. But how did you handle that? I, ca- well, I can only imagine that's like so hurtful and frustrating. Well, it's really the only time, and when she was there, I, she had called me at night several times, this science teacher, the eighth okay. grade science teacher. And she said, well, she's not going to be able to do this. Next year when she goes, you know, it's physics and da 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 And I said, I know that. I have a son that's, you know, three years ahead of her that goes to school there. And I said, she has to do it. This is where she's at. You know, and they had an aide in the class that was helping. And she had modified yeah. accommodations in that class. But since they didn't really have gen ed classes, uh-huh. she had to be in the pre, you know, AP class. And so we kind of left it at that. And then she called me another time. And that's when I called the lead special education teacher and told her what was going on. And she was like, I'll handle it. And it was never <laughs> spoken of again. So, so it's, I but can, I was very blessed. Yeah. That you have people that partnered with you to yeah. advocate. Like I said, that was like my second big gift that God gave me was, yeah. was Miss Mitchell. Because she was with us for six years. <sighs> yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, any others you want to share? Any other good, good God stories? <laughs> well, there's lots of them throughout the years. So I have a real, another really cool story. So back when our kids were little, we went to church, but you know, I would say we were kind of fair weather church goers. Okay. And so when I enrolled my son in Mother's Day out, my mother said, y'all need to go to a Baptist church because if you want your children to have religion, that's where you need to go. <laughs> And so he was going to to a Baptist uh, Mother's Day out. And so we started going to church there when Caroline was about two. Because she went to Mother's Day out there. Okay. And then, you know, we'd go some Sundays. But we got we were real faithful after about the time she was. We joined when she was two. And then we started going pretty When your mom told you. When my mother said. Yes. Okay. And we still go to church there. Yes. But um, so when she was four, she had a teacher at Shelton. And she would tell me during nap time, that she would pray over all the children every day. And this was a secular school. It was not a religious school. And at the time, I thought, that's really cool. But I didn't think too much about it. You know, it was just kind of, so that year at the awards ceremony, they do a big awards ceremony and give everybody a certificate. The certificate that she gave Caroline was for, on her 
like this is what Carolina's been best at all year. Mm-hmm. It said perseverance. And I thought, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> because everyone else has said mathematics, counting, yes. oh. you know, English, speak. I mean, everything was academic. Uh-huh. And Caroline said perseverance. And at the time, I was like, this is so bizarre. I mean, it was literally, I got in the car and, like, threw the certificate in the trunk and was like, that's really weird. Yeah. And it wasn't until I really grew in my faith and really started Aww. studying the Bible that yes. that word perseverance is everywhere, and I thought that's the biggest thing she could have ever said, ever. And 100%. it probably took me ten years to realize that. Yeah, because that really is her word Story. for her life is perseverance. Yes, because she has never let anything stand in her way, and she's had a lot of yes. hard stuff. And the fact that this lady that taught her for one year when uh-huh. she was four wrote that on that certificate. Yes, it was like okay, she knew. Back then. Yes. That is so on. cool. So it's really a cool story. Yeah. So it <laughs> was the, not until, so you started getting more involved in the church. Yes. How do you, how would you say, and it's probably a lot of things, I don't know, but over the course of the 10 years, you're an adult. Yes. A mom with all the, how do you feel like you grew closer to God? Well, it was really when I joined BSF, Bible uh-huh. Study Fellowship, that I really, when I really started diving into God's Word, that so I good. really grew my faith. Yeah. We went to great. a Sunday school class and to church, but really, unless you sit down and really study the Bible, you're not really growing your faith. Right. But you just see that word perseverance. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, and I would just like start laughing at myself. And I thought, gosh, Mrs. Thornton wrote that on that certificate when she was four. Yes. And I'm just now getting it. Yes. But it it's immediately the greatest gift. Yeah. It immediately came back to me. I was like, okay, my God, that was pretty funny. I mean, it really <laughs> was. This? I mean, I was like, who gets an award for perseverance? I mean, it was so random. Yes. Yes. That was not a word I was that used to hearing. No. So that kind of came full circle with that, which yeah. was really incredible. Yeah. Okay. So over overall, I would say you've probably been obviously she's had a lot of advocates and cheerleaders throughout her life, you know, but like I would say from consistently from start to this point, you've been just like an incredible advocate. Can you pinpoint like challenges of that? Absolutely. So when she was eight, she was diagnosed with type one diabetes, Uh completely out of the blue. Was that not a part of? No, no. So we were at an eight year old checkup. And um, they always did a urinalysis, and she never would tinkle in the cup. And so it was a total God thing. I said, she's got to tinkle in that cup. So because with her syndrome, they can have some renal issues. Okay. But it's kind of rare. But I thought, she needs to do that. And so brought it home. She did it that morning at home, picked her up from school, gave her a juice box and a cookie, go to the doctor's office to drop off the urinalysis. We're waiting to check out, and my pediatrician wasn't there, and the one on call, like, points at me in the waiting room. He goes, can you all come back here? There was sugar in her urine. And I really didn't think anything about it. It didn't register me. Anyway, so he said, I'm going to do a quick finger stick. And it was really high, her blood sugar. And so he goes, y'all need to go home and pack a bag and meet you down at Children's. And I was like, you have to be talking to somebody else, not us. So she hadn't had any? No symptoms, zero. Wow. So they ended up catching it by fluke because by the time we got to Children's, got registered, got it, saw a doctor, her blood sugar was completely normal. So, that is crazy. Yes. So then they sent her, well, they sent us to the cafeteria to eat at one o'clock in the morning. 
So she goes and eats, and they're like, she needs to have a Coke. She needs to have some candy. They wanted her to have a lot of sugar to see what her blood sugar would do. Okay. So it spiked up high. So they ended up admitting her, but she didn't get on insulin. That was January 28th, 2005. Okay. And so she didn't end up getting on insulin until March. So we had to just monitor her, to, and we kind of watched it manifest itself. Okay. And I'm not sure had I known to watch, we would have had no idea. For sure. Because she started getting all the symptoms by March. And so that was difficult just because I'm like, she has enough stuff wrong with her. Right. That's so discouraging. And back then it was really difficult because you had to mix the insulins and it was all these shots and she had to eat a certain time of day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that was really when you had asked about Mitch earlier. Um, I got some really good advice from um, all my diabetes training and all that. And they, the one thing they said is even though this is not something good that has happened to Caroline, Mm -hmm. It's going to consume your family for a long time. Really? Because you don't ever eat a cracker without talking about it. Because you have to have insulin to cover every morsel of food that goes into your body. And another family had told me, they said, do not sit down at the dinner table and talk about this. They said, talk about it before you sit down. Because you have to calculate how much they're eating, how much insulin they need, how much insulin they have on board. And so they said, do that in the kitchen or in the dining room or in the bedroom or in the bathroom before you come to the table. So that the table becomes continues yes. to be a place of conversation. Yes. and Not all about her and what she's that eating. That is so smart. So we, you know, instigated that. And Mitch understood that it was, you know, it wasn't anything fun. he was how old? A, a teenager? He was, he was 11. Okay. So, you know, it was a lot of talking about it, though, because it's just yeah. at that point, there's a lot of and we had to eat back then. She had to eat at eight, noon and six uh-huh. right, on the, ha- yes. right on the nose because the insulin covered. And so that went on for several years. And then she had an insulin pump and it made it a little bit easier. Wow. And then so five years you- after that, she was diagnosed with celiac uh. disease. <laughs> and then or was that the connected? To that that is connected. Okay. Once you have an autoimmune disease, the other ones follow suit. Okay. So it's very common once you have one autoimmune disease that something else will trigger. Okay. So they actually caught that by accident, too, at Children's. They do blood work every year, and it came up on the blood work. So the celiac, I have to say, out of all the things that she's ever been diagnosed with was the most – I took it the hardest. Why is that? I think because it was just another – way that made her different yeah she already had all these other challenges the diabetes she could still go to a birthday party and eat the pizza and eat a cupcake and you know go to the pool party and have whatever she wanted and just Mm -hmm. have insulin but now she not only didn't get invited to very very many birthday parties when she went she couldn't eat the cake Mm -hmm. she couldn't have the pizza i had to take you know she'd bring all of her own food and it was just the constant talking about it yeah you know so that was really difficult yeah that was one time when i was like really upset yeah i was like okay god i begged you not to do this and you did it but she really has handled all that way better than i ever did i mean she just was like okay and she was so young that she doesn't really miss the regular things and now gluten-free is everywhere oh yeah back then we had to like order pasta like off the internet so, and I cooked every night just about. So for me, it wasn't that hard to do gluten-free. Right. 
but I had a good and friend And your whole from family church. turns gluten-free, Well, right? we or not? did most things gluten-free, but okay. not everything. Okay. Like, we didn't eat all eat gluten-free bread. Okay. I mean, she would do, I had, you know, I wouldn't cross-contaminate, but she had her own bread and stuff like that. So that was really hard to do that. I guess I just hadn't thought about the fact, I know that it, I imagine it being challenging just Oh, can't eat that. I need to, I need to remember to bring this like that. But also I just hadn't thought about the not fitting in part of it. Yes. That everybody's eating something. Yes. The celiac was more difficult than the diabetes, which sounds weird because the diabetes is, you know, really, you don't take your insulin, you're going to die. Yeah. The celiac, you just get sick. You know, you can live for a long time eating gluten, but that was really hard. And just, Grown adults being really unkind about different things and different situations. I mean, we had stuff at church where she would go to a youth thing and they wouldn't have anything for her to eat. Yeah. And I would, you know, of course, I'm calling ahead of time saying, what are what, the what meals going to be? Well, we're going to order pizza. I said, where are you going to order from? Papa John's. I said, well, they don't have gluten-free, but Domino's says, well, that's not who we're ordering it from. Oh. And it was just little stuff like that. And it's like, really? <laughs> You know, or Sunday mornings, they do the big D-Now weekend. They yes. show up, and they've got donuts. She can't eat a donut. Can you all have something that she can eat? You know, she yeah. can have some Cheerio. You know, so it was just constant me having to send food everywhere she went. Right. And then, once again, that draws attention to her because right. she can't do what everyone else is doing. Right. Whereas if they would have had one other simple option – Right. It was just it's, very it's helpful to hear that perspective. Yeah, it was very frustrating because, especially like in a church setting, because you're like you're supposed to be helping. Yeah. <laughs> but that I, was where I really found it the worst, if you yeah, can believe it or not. I think it's a, you know, it's just I doubt anyone's intentionally trying to be rude. Right. It's more I we, we just didn't have the the perspective. Right. But then I, I always tried to yeah. educate them on it yes. in a very nice yes. way. But hey. then it still wasn't ever received, received huh. which was, it was very hurtful. That's hurtful, Because yeah. like at Lovejoy, they were so accommodating. She did athletic training when mm-hmm. she was in high school, and they went to eat for the pregame meals with the football team. Yeah. And the head athletic coach, I would go over every year and do a diabetic thing for all the coaches. And he was like, come on, sweet Caroline, what are you going to eat today? And he would, like, call and make sure she had food. That's and really I would sweet, be like, the okay, thoughtfulness the of it. football coach can do it, but my own church can't. I have yeah. to say, that was that was really difficult. Yeah. Just because I was like, wow, y'all can't just order from Domino's because then she could have a gluten Yeah. Pizza. So anyway, like I said, it all worked out. Yeah. It was hard. That was really hard. It was hard on me. It was not hard on her. She, she always, was like, it's fine. What? She always, I think part of it was she would just be like, Mom, it's fine. It's fine. I can just take my food. But it did, it was just extra eyes on her. Mm, yeah. And so, you already feel, felt like, yes. man, there's so many things yes. up against. Uh, what about today as an adult? Does she, do you still manage that or does she? She has insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor. Which okay. really helps because she can, it automatically calculates things mm-hmm. for her because she has dyslexia. And so she's not mm-hmm. good at the math. So that has made her very independent. She manages it all on her own. Yeah. The only thing I still do is I order her supplies for her, but she changes all her sites and all her pumps and calculates all her carbs and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So yeah, she does it all herself. Oh my. 
which it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, all the things. Now and then, does she the the allergy stuff, or does she make her own food, or do you still cook? Because she lives with y'all, she y'all lives right? With us. Yes. Yeah, she lives with us, and she works. Um, yeah. she got her certification in early childhood development from Collin College. Oh, awesome! And um, she works at Lovejoy in the um, after school care program, and she's looking for a full time job for next year in uh, preschool. That is awesome. Yeah, she loves actually working with special needs kids, and she's amazing with them. She absolutely loves working with little kids. But um, she she makes her own breakfast and lunch. I usually yeah. cook dinner because she lives at home with us. Yeah. She doesn't love cooking. Yes. My yeah. son loves – I mean, he does most of the cooking in his house, but um, she needs to learn how to cook more and do her own laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what were ways that you make, made sure that Mitch – was given attention. Like how, well, we always kind of had, um, like Mitch and I would go do stuff by ourselves. Okay. And I'll tell you one special time we always had every year was spring break. Cause their spring breaks were always different until she went to Lovejoy. And yeah. so he would have spring break and then she would have a different spring break. And so that spring break was really, we would just spend it just the two of us or he and my husband would go on a trip somewhere special. Yeah. But my husband is a very hands-on dad. So yes. he and Mitch, Always went to lots of sporting events and all that kind of stuff. And then I would take him to stuff. So we always did like parent date nights. Yes. And did a lot of stuff with him. I love that. Yeah. And we would always, even if money was tight during the years, we always sent him to um, Pine Cove Christian uh-huh. Camp for two weeks every summer. Wow. And there were a lot of years with all the therapy and all the bills and Shelton. Like we didn't go on a family vacation, but yeah. we were like, we want him to have that two That's weeks special. away from the house just because yeah. he can go and be, you know, his own person and yeah. not have to be, you know, with us or with Caroline. <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. No. That was just kind of a gift we always wanted to give him. I love that. Does she have good friend like deep friendships? Um, she had a really great friend in our in our neighborhood before we moved, and they were inseparable growing mm. up. But then they went to different schools, and, you know, they did a lot of stuff together. But the friendships have been very difficult through the years yeah. to maintain. Just because, um, you know, how girls are. Oh, yeah. She has a few good little friends now that she's gotten to be close with, which is great. She's got three or four little girlfriends that she does stuff with now, which is really good. She has more friends right now, really, than she did in high school. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine just the high school girl drama is typical for everybody. And I can only imagine... Yeah, that was probably the hardest thing was the, you know, never asked to homecoming, never asked. I mean, just never, you know, and everybody going their 900 different directions. and Yeah. So that's really, that's really challenging. Even now, you know, it's my husband and I and Caroline a lot, you know, on the weekends. Yeah. We call ourselves the three musketeers. (laughs) (laughs) You make the most. We do. You enjoy being together. We We absolutely do. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've always just kind of tried to give them their own space. Yeah. I feel like we did the best we could. Yeah. You know, we definitely weren't yeah. perfect. So tell me about how you, Mitch, and your daughter-in-law met. Well, I met Beth at a dress store. You met her? Yes. No way. <laughs> In downtown McKinney. I had been to BSF. It was the first day, and I had gone to lunch with a friend of mine. And I said, hey, let's go in this dress store, dress place next door. I said, it's so cute. So we went over there, and this cute girl's in there working. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. And I just start chit-chatting with her. They had a sofa, and my girlfriend was trying something on. So I sat down, and she goes, oh, where have y'all been? And I said, oh, BSF. And so we just start talking, and I'm like, you know, 
I can't remember what the first thing she started telling me that um, she was said something about being lonely. And I said, well, do you have oh. a boyfriend? And she said, no, I don't. But I'm looking. And I said, well, I have a son. He's really cute. Oh. And uh, she said, well, I have two questions for you. Does, oh, is this. he tall? Okay. And does he love Jesus? <gasps> and I said, yes, he is tall and he does love Jesus. And so she said, well, let me see his picture. This is awesome. So I show her his picture. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, he's cute. And I said, yeah, he's pretty cute. And so I said, well, write your phone number down, and I'll see if he'll text you. Maybe y'all could go out. And she's like, okay. Like, I've never done this before. So she writes her (laughs) phone number down on the back of one of their business cards. And I said, oh, you're from Oklahoma. And she said, how did you know that? And I said, my son went to Oklahoma State. I recognized the area code. And she said, I went to Oklahoma State. Mm -mm. And so she's like, 15 months older than him, but two years in school because she's okay. June and he's uh, September. Okay. So uh, we started talking some more and they like had some mutual friends and like she worked at Pine Cove one summer. He worked at Pine Cove in the summer. So anyway, they had like all this stuff in common. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, we'll see what happens. So I'll leave the store and I yeah. tell my son, I said, I met your wife today. No, you did yes. not. No. And he's like, Mom, I can't believe you. I mean, he, he was so, so annoyed. Yes. Mad at me. Yes. And so I said, she was getting her counseling degree at uh, DTS. Okay. And so she didn't have any social media except Instagram. And so it kind of went by a few weeks. I said, well, are you going to call her or text or anything? No, no, no. And quit meddling. And I'm like, okay. Then Is he living, like, close to you at He had just moved. He had graduated from college and had an apartment, and they'd raised his rent a whole bunch. Oh, okay. And he had started his own business. And so wow. he moved back home for a little bit to save some money. So okay. he just moved back in. The timing of it was yes. perfect. Because if yes. he hadn't been living with us, this would have never happened. And you wouldn't have been able to ask no. him every day. No. Yeah. So his best friend from Oklahoma State was in town. And so this was probably a month after I met her. And I said, Cameron, I met the cutest girl. And Mitch won't call her. And he goes, why not, Mitch? That's kind of stupid. He goes, I'd be calling her. And Mitch kind of looked at him like, you would? Yes. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. So he stayed for the weekend. So that Sunday afternoon, he and Cameron walked into my bedroom. I'll never forget. And he said, guess who has a date next weekend? Uh -uh. And I said, who, Cameron? He goes, no, Mom, me. Because I had said... Why don't you invite her to an Oklahoma State alumni, like a football watching great party? Great idea. You, you're full of great ideas. There's <laughs> lots of people there. It's not awkward. Meet for a drink. Yeah. And then if you don't hit it off, that's fine. it's not weird to leave. Yeah. And so he was like, actually, that's not a bad idea. And they had one at the time in downtown McKinney. And I said, okay. you know, I know she works on there. You know, y'all can meet there. It's a safe place and all that kind of stuff. So that night, he uh, messaged her on Instagram. Uh-huh. And then she messaged him, and she texted her mother and said, hey, that guy that I, I met his mom at the store just added me on Instagram. And her mother said, I'm so happy my future son-in-law. No, no. She has the screenshot on her cell phone. And she was like, Mom, stop. Wait, okay, so her mom sends this. Yes, to her. Oh, this good, my so, future son-in-law, or something like that, so with the little funny. bitmoji. See, both of you yep. guys, both of yep. you moms had the intuition about it. So then they went to the football guy, I mean, to the watching party, and then they ended up getting married. That is amazing. Yeah. They ended up getting married twice because it was COVID, so they got, oh. they had, she had gotten to be really close with a, a 
pastor that she met uh-huh. through counseling internship and his wife. And so she would go over to their house two or three nights a week and just hang out and have dinner. And they were kind of like her little surrogate family here yes. in Dallas. And so he did their premarital counseling and married them. And so when COVID hit, they were supposed to get married April 4th. Oh, yeah. So it was right in the middle yes, of the, the crazy, yeah. And so they had not moved in together, had not lived together, any of that kind of stuff. And so they had already got their apartment April 1st. And so he said, I think y'all need to go ahead and get married on the original wedding date. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they did. We had a wedding with nine people. Then they moved in together, and then they ended up getting married. Because we pushed the wedding back to June, thinking this will all be over. Yeah. So they did end up getting to have their kind of big wedding in June. That's awesome. So anyway, they're just, they're made for each other. Yes. They're just a total god thing. I love. They're so cute I together. I love that you set them up. I, what, I'm a boy. I have two boys, you know, and I'm thinking... You know what? I don't think it's a bad thing for us moms to be on the lookout. So many people have told me that because it's like you know your child best. You and do, what he needs. you do, and your child needs some encouragement yeah. to, you know, put themselves out there. Right. And a girl is just really wanting to find somebody who's going to be great. Yeah, and it's hard to find. It is, you know, it is. I love it. I just so love it. Was it. Just, that was just me meeting her that day. And then when we started talking, I'm like, mm-hmm, this is like This is it. This but is I did it. tell Mitch, like, they'd been on three or four dates. And I was like, I don't know if he's that into her, if yeah. she's that in him. And I said, if you're not really serious about her, you need to cut her loose early. Yeah. Because I said, this is, she's she's one What did he date. say? Is he like, no, He was like, hi, I'm I am. Like, okay. I said, I'm just yeah. checking because, you know, she, this is not somebody you want to let get away. Yeah. I said, this is or, the mother. Or treat poorly. Right. Or lead on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. think he would have done that. But I just was no. like, this is, this is not just somebody to date. Right. For fun. For fun. Right. This is just... Oh, I love that. Okay, any other things you want to add when you thought about your notes? Um... So over the years at church, I think I kind of shared with you, we just had a lot of challenges just with different, you know, and that's anywhere, you know. For sure. With with Caroline not being... I wouldn't say she was treated badly, but she certainly wasn't treated very well. Okay. Once she got finished with, like, you know, sixth grade, once she went down to the youth kind of uh-huh. area. You know, it's, I mean, yes. and that's a difficult for anybody, Season. but they mm-hmm. definitely had their favorites, mm-hmm. as every, you know, organization does. So, anyway, so she had been dying to go to church camp. Well, they used to go to Florida, and it was like, You're, that's just too far, and I'm not riding that bus with you 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. So, they finally went locally to Texas, and so I was like, okay, let's go to church camp. And so I went as, like, the nurse's assistant just mm-hmm. so that I can kind of have a place and kind of yeah. be there but not be with her because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be a counselor. I don't want to be in the cabins. I want her to have her own experience. Mm-hmm. And so we get to church camp, and her best friend from when she was younger was there with a friend because Caroline at Shelton, they did what was called Transition First grade she went to kindergarten transition first then first oh so at church we had never moved her back got it so she was with her peers until she got to high school then she went back a grade Mm -hmm. got it so her little best friend from growing up was there with a girl in the class older than her okay and so the little girl she was with was like she's with me kind of this is my friend i bought her and so she wasn't really interacting with caroline at all the whole week Uh so that was difficult just kind of seeing that play out because i was sitting in a little cabin on the porch with the nurse every day and we could see pretty much the whole camp so well it started when we got on the bus and everybody was sitting by a friend except for her 
And she set the whole bus ride by, by herself. herself. And not one adult got up to go sit with her. None of the counselors. No one. Were you on the bus? Yes. And you just decided, I'm just going to leave her by I herself? I couldn't. I really was trying to let her have a camp experience. And I'm I not saying that's be, bad. I'm just like, I, oh, my gosh, I cannot imagine. The- it was That started the trip. So on the bus ride down, she sits by herself. For the, and this is her first time being able to go. Do you want to cry oh, or I was, are you I angry? I was crying. Oh, I my was, gosh. Or I was in tears. I had to go to the bus, the bathroom, and I cried for probably two hours on the bus ride down there. So then they get off the bus to go to lunch, and there it's like all the choices she can't go eat at. Mm-hmm. And so then, of course, we'd pack some stuff, and I, she whispered to me, I said, just go to, to McDonald's and get some French fries and a Diet Coke and eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich you brought. So she was fine. So I didn't go with her. To, I'm trying to let her be independent. And she was like 15, 16. I mean, she was older, you know, so yeah. wasn't maybe 14, 15, something like that. So it didn't start out good. <laughs> so then she gets in her cabin. And so I'm watching every day during free time her be by herself. They're never supposed to go anywhere without a buddy. And so one day the nurse and I are sitting on the on the on the porch and I hope I don't start crying. Yeah. She leaves her little cabin by herself. Yeah. With her swimsuit on her towel, goes to the pool. I watch her get in the pool, kind of swim around for 10 minutes, get out of the pool. No body with her, and they're not supposed to be alone. Yeah. Go back in her cabin. I see her come out, dry clothes on. She goes over to the little zip line, stands there by herself, does the little zip line, goes back to her little cabin. And I'm like, wow, is the counselor not going to notice that she's by herself? Or is anybody going to do anything with her the whole week? So... It was really difficult to watch. Then at night, you know, she was just basically being ignored. I don't understand. Like, how do you do that? So I literally. Are you. And so the little nurse, um, she, they were members of our church, the lady that volunteered to be the RN. And she was kind of a new believer. And so I was kind of getting to, it was kind of cool because I was getting to share a lot of stuff with her about yeah. Caroline and about my testimony and all that kind of stuff. So. That night, it just, you know, with the little worship thing, of course, she's there with her little group, but of course, nobody's talking to her. I mean, just the whole thing, you know, breakfast the next morning. Yeah. Here they all come to breakfast. I'm like, where's Caroline? Ten minutes later, here she comes because she's, I said, so at breakfast, I said, what happened? She said, oh, my blood sugar was low, so I had to wait till it came up. Like, nobody waited back with her to walk with her. They all went to breakfast and left her with a low blood sugar in the cabin. Uh Uh-uh. So anyway, so it just, I mean, it was like four-day camp. So on the third day, there was one little girl that wanted to go. They had this little, I never even walked down there. It was some kind of little man-made lake, and they could ride this little rope thing with a inner tube. Okay. And so this girl wanted to go, and this was always Caroline. She said, at lunch, nobody would go with her, and Caroline said, I'll go with you. Yeah. So she and Caroline went down and did the little... Yeah. thing so but it was caroline saying i'll, I'll, I'll go with you <laughs> yeah. so they went down there and so i mean i am like that afternoon i was like thank you lord for just letting somebody yes. you know go Need down there because i Need would i literally yes. would lay in my bed at night and cry myself to sleep and I the know. nurse was like the little nurse, I, mean, I can't remember her name right now, because we had a little cabin by ourselves. She's like, I just can't believe this, and I can't believe the counselors aren't. And I said, I'm just letting it go. I said, this has kind of been her whole life here at our church. I said, I have yeah. to be honest with you. I said, this has kind of been status quo. Yeah. And so I literally, had I had my own car, I would have gotten my car and gone home. I would have taken her and gone home. 
Yeah. Because I was calling my husband. I was like, I am like at my breaking point. Yeah. Because every day it was like same song, second verse. And so I'm probably not getting the timeline exactly right. So it was, but it was the afternoon she went down to the little lake. So I'm sitting with a nurse and she would not like even check in with me. I mean, she would like ignored me. Like she didn't Caroline, know. Caroline. Yeah. Like she, nobody knew I was her mother. Like I wasn't doing anything with her. So Because no, you wanted her to I have that her, independent yes. experience. I was just there in case an emergency arose with the diabetes. Right. Okay. Because really most nurses aren't trained in diabetic oh, care. Oh, I know. Unless, yes. You know, so I yeah. was just there in case of an emergency. Yes. And then I was helping the nurse do stuff, you know. Yes. So nobody really even knew it was her mother because I wasn't in the cabin. I wasn't a counselor, nothing. So this girl comes up to me that was a counselor for the camp because the camp we went to had some counselors that they right. hired that were full-time staff. Right, right. And so I'm at my little nurse's table helping give out meds and stuff. And Caroline never even came over to the nurse's table ever because she did all of her own insulin and stuff at her table. Yeah. So this little girl walks up to me, Sunny, and she says, hey, I just want you to know I visited with Caroline this afternoon for like, she came down to the thing. And she is amazing. She is like the most has the biggest heart for God, is like the biggest, has the most compassion, and is the kindest, sweetest girl I've met. Like, I mean, she used all these adjectives to describe Caroline. Like, yeah. if you'd ask me what to say, yes. I would have used those to yes. describe. I have all it written down. I, have yes. all of, I would have said all those things. And um, she's like, we just had the best afternoon. And so she's telling me all this stuff. And I'm literally start weeping. Yeah. And in that moment, and the nurse is sitting there because there was no one else at the table at the time. It was kind of before the dinner service started. And she's, like, watching me and watching this little girl. And she's, like, she said, I knew something was going on. She goes, I could feel it. Yeah. And I 100% believe the Lord was speaking to me through her. Because in that moment, I had so much clarity because it was like she told me the outside world sees it. Yeah. We are validating what you're feeling. Yeah. Unfortunately, your church doesn't get it. Yeah. And I really, like, had this overwhelming peace come over me. And I was like, okay. So then I sat down and ate dinner. We get to worship that night. And I don't know if you've ever been been to church camp because your children are... (laughs) Well, I lead church camps. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, you know how the band plays the same three songs every night and they never deviate? (laughs) Let's call it what it is. Okay. They do. Okay. They play the same uh-huh. three songs They're in the morning. They do. Okay. And so that night we go to worship and it's pitch black in there and they started playing David Crowder's He Is Jealous For Me, which is like oh, my yes. song for her. Yes. So they, they never played it again wow. except for that night. So I get in there and they start playing that song and I literally started laughing. I was yeah. like, God, I, I got it. I I got it when Sunny, her name, that little girl's name was Sunny. Yeah, I love it. I said, when she started talking to me, I said, I got the message. Yes. And then when they started playing that song, I thought, you're hitting the, the you know, nail with the hammer to make sure I got it. But yes, I got it. I got, I got it. the message. And then they never played that song again. Uh-uh. But it really, even though it was like, not what I wanted to hear, it was right. what I needed to hear right. in the moment. Does, did that bother Caroline that week? Do you feel like we she never talked about it because okay. really that's how she's been treated her whole life. So it's not it's how she it's it's, it's how, how she's always she just is used experienced to experienced people. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And one of my friends, who was one of the Sunday school teachers one year, they had very clicky, you know, these girls. And she said they had tables where they all sat on Sunday mornings. And she said one Sunday somebody had brought a friend. And so Caroline was sitting at a table of eight, and somebody had brought a friend. And so this other girl comes up. That's her usual table. Mm -hmm. And she said, she's like, there's no place for me to sit. I'm going to have to go sit over here. And, of course, my Caroline says, I'll get up. I'll go sit with you at that table. Yeah. None because of she girls. knows what it yeah. feels like. And she's telling me this. And she's like, of course, your Caroline's the one that gets up and goes and sits with her. And I thought, yeah, but you wouldn't get up and go sit with my Caroline on the bus that day. That's hard. It was hard. I mean, I have to say that was one of my lowest moments yeah. in my life. But you're still a part of the same church. I am. How? Tell me about how you, you've been able to. Well, I just. I'm telling you, that day was life-changing to me because I really heard God say, your church doesn't get it. Yeah. They never will. Yeah. But I see it, and the outside world gets it. That was the message I got. Wow. And so my husband and I are not church hoppers. You know, we've been there for 22 years. We're faithful to our church, and there have been times over the years. But then I'm like, you know, a church is— you know, is bottom line, it's full of sinners. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm one as well. Yeah. So, but that was, that, it's been hard. Yeah. It's been hard. But um, I could see it. And I thought, I think the thing that gets me through the most is I still, to this day, I think about when Caroline gets to heaven, I thought she's going to be in the front row, not the back row. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> and that really... Sometimes I just kind of chuckle about it because these parents that try to manipulate the whole situation, yes. you know, their kid's whole life. To be I the thought, best. To be the best. I thought, yeah, I thought it's going to be interesting when we get to heaven. First will be last. Yeah. So Lots that really first, gives yeah. me a lot of peace. Yeah. And the fact that she doesn't complain about it. It's She me. doesn't care. She doesn't. She's lived her whole life like that. You know, so I, I'm not going to say she doesn't care. No, but here's the thing that, and you, you've brought up such a great point about when you really read Jesus's words. Yes, that he is very clear about our status and our us being at the front best seat at the table and us being at the you know the the you know having the most things and having is actually not. His way. Right. Yet we as people. Yes. In the church. Yes. Have our favorites. Have our people. Have our places where we want to be noticed and whatever. We're missing it. Yes. We're totally missing it. And Caroline gets it. Yes. She's like, it's really not about having the best seat at this table. I'll move to the other table if if it means giving somebody a friend. You know? And... Man, I just don't know. Her, like her word, perseverance. Yeah, she was four. And when I look at her whole life, I mean, it's comical. I mean, it yeah. really is. It's like, okay, God, you have like really sprinkled some little things and but perseverance, really, character, character, hope. Yes, like you experience that when you. Yeah, but that day at camp, I have the whole story written down at home, and I actually yeah. came home and wrote that counselor a letter. Wow, Sunny, Sunny, and I sent it to the camp, and I said, I don't know if you know that the Lord used you for his voice that day. And she said, I know. Wow. She said, I knew it was something. The stories where Caroline felt left out at church were super hard for me to hear. 
As I thought about why that was, I thought back to the 36 years of me being in a church. And I'm confident there have been times where I have caused someone to feel ignored or left out at church. I'm sure I have disappointed people. I'm sure I have acted in a way that was hypocritical. And there are times where it may have been intentional, but more often than not, it was probably because I'm just selfish and sinful, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. It doesn't make it right, but it's the reality of living as a person in the process of being transformed by God. It just gets messy, and people disappoint us. However, I really wanted y'all to hear this because I love the way God spoke to Kathleen. Because even when the church disappoints, God does not. Even when the church is hypocritical, God is not. And if your child has been hurt by the church or if you have been hurt by the church, gosh, this isn't good enough, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I hope after this episode, you know that you are not alone. God sees you and he loves you. If this podcast has meant something to you, man, I would be honored if you would share it. That would be so helpful. So follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Four Parents Podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and I will see you next time.